How's it going, brother? Excellent, guys. How are you? Doing well, man. Beautiful home you have. Thank you for uh, joining us via Skype. It's absolutely my pleasure. It's it's always preferred to have you in the studio, but you know this is this is as as good as it's gonna get. It's awesome. Uh, how where do you live right now? Like uh, you're you're over on the island, right? Yeah, I live on Vancouver Island. I just bought a house in Shawnigan Lake, BC. And you have your own uh, gym over there. Yeah, I own Black Box MMA out of Duncan, BC. How long have you had the gym for? We opened in uh, the early 2013, nice. so we're going on two and a half years. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I know you've you've had a pretty interesting life, and I can't wait to dive in and 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 discuss and and go over some lessons that you've learned. Why don't you start us off uh, when you were a kid? What was childhood like for you? Yeah, man, childhood was super tough. Uh, Growing up with two older brothers, obviously the same old story, you know, getting beat up by the older brothers. But my life was a lot harder than that. You know, um, a lot of time in foster care, uh, misunderstood at school for sure, elementary school. I mean, Tell I'm me about now, that a like, little bit. I was... give the kid an apple, but I guess I was like, you know, really like one of the bad kids in the class and, oh. and just uh, just an all, overall problem for like everyone that had to deal with me as a kid. Why do you think that was? Was was it something that you did that that kind of brought that on, or what do you think was going on there? So obviously, with the sport now, you start to understand like how food affects your behavior, right? Mm-hmm. So growing up, you know, on the the wrong side of the tracks, you know, in the poverty, yeah. you know, state, we didn't get the food, man, the nutrition, right? So if I would have had some food, I think I would have acted a little bit different. Wow. But. Uh, you know, everything shapes you for your future, and, and I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now, so. Nice. So, wait, where did you grow up again? I grew up in Duncan. I, okay. I've been in Duncan my whole life. So, you're back back at home, basically, right now? Yeah, Shawnee and Lake's, like, you know, a couple of kilometers away from, from Duncan, 20-minute uh, drive. Nice. So, take us through through childhood. Oh, your cat's coming in there. <laughs> I didn't know you have a yeah, cat. Yeah, I've seen her. She's actually... <laughs> But this this is the reason right here why I got myself uh, off the streets. This is my first responsibility. So that's awesome, man. What's uh so so in child when you say in childhood you grew up in foster homes? When did t- give us the lead up to that? How did all of that start? Yeah, my mom was you know um, an alcoholic, you know addicted to drugs, mm-hmm. uh, always in abusive relationships, getting beat up by her her boyfriends and and you know stuff like that. Um, so the ministry took us out of her, her house. I think I was seven when mm-hmm. I got taken out, uh, from my mom's and I didn't actually go back to my mom's until I was 17 and she, I was on the street for a couple of years at that time and she got me a place so I could graduate high school. So seven years old, you're, you're taken out of your house and you're, you're put into foster care. Yeah. Me and my older brother, um, the oldest brother of mine kind of lived with his dad. He's a half brother, but like my best friend, my, my brother that's really similar in age to me, kind of fathered me growing up. Uh, he uh, was the one that lived with me, and, and we got separated at that point. And yeah, super tough. But you guys got like, separated. The the two brothers. So you 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 were put in two different homes. Yeah. Wow. I was just talking about it the other day. He said that's that was always the hardest thing for him is having to let me go. You know, like uh, they, it's very rare that you get to go to the same foster home. I don't know why that is, but. Yeah, we got separated a lot, and that how was much, always the top. Him. How much older is he? He's only uh, he's only 22 months, but he seems like he's like 10 years older than me. Seems mm-hmm. how he like he always put food on the table for me, you know, made sure I had the same clothes as the people in my grade. You know, I wasn't having to go with like bummy clothes. We looked like we were we were doing better than we actually were. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that was thanks to my brother. He always made sure. Uh, the clean shoes, you know, he'd be like, just grab your toothbrush and just scrub those shoes off. You know, they'll look, they'll look clean. They're good for now, you know. And, yeah, I was lucky to have them. Yeah. So you're you're put at seven years old. You're put into a foster home. You're separated from your brother who's, you know, like your knight. He's taking care of you, right? And what's going on with you mentally and how, how are you? I mean, seven years old is, is really young, right? Yeah. Um, so at seven, I didn't really understand yeah understand so much it was more like when i was 10 and 11 and 12 and 13 14 right those years in foster care were the ones that were a little bit harder on me 
you know that and were, I, I were you being shipped around to, from from like one place to another too or was it always the yeah, same yeah. i was in nine different foster homes oh my growing god up. Wow. yeah so never at the same one um i got to stay with a, a lovely family for a couple of years and and i looked at them like they were they were parents for a while then he got ill and, and i had to go on to another one so it was tough man it sucked I bet it's it's very difficult for for people who haven't through it haven't been through something like that. It must be really hard to go from one environment to a completely se separate environment, adapt to new things, deal with new personalities, people not knowing you, right? So yes and no. Sometimes it was it was a breath of fresh air, right? I got mm -hmm. you know um, new clothes and, and a good you know three course meals every day, four course meals. And then I would go to other foster homes that were like, I would get locked up at 8.30. I, I would have to like buzz to use the bathroom, you know. So so some were great and then others just weren't, right? Yeah. You know, they just weren't the same. So, you know, not all foster homes are bad. Some are worse than others. Mm -hmm. So at the age of 13, 14, you know, around this time where you're realizing what's happening to you, it's... It's how are you, are you angry? Are you sad? What are the emotions here? And how are you, how are you channeling that? Uh, so very angry. Like I was really small, like not just little. I was like the smallest in my grade, the skinniest, most, you know, sickly looking kid, you know, just very, very small. And uh, so I always felt like I had to fight, you know, cause I, I got bugged for being small. So I just, I just didn't talk about it. I just wind up and cork the person in the face. It didn't matter if it was a teacher, if it was a student. Like, I was just like an angry, angry, angry child. And uh, they thought I was schizophrenic as a child. I had to go get tested. All this just, just nonsense. And, and like I said at the beginning, I truly, truly believe it has to do with the, the food that I was given, you know? If I was in the foster home that gave me good food, I didn't act like that. If I was at home with, with my, you know, less than then civilized family, I acted a lot worse, you know, mm -hmm. so. Just lack of nutrition, low blood sugar. That's how, that's how I, I look at it. It lack probably was, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so take us through that, that, that rough patch, you know, you, you're going through, are you getting in trouble with, I guess, school for sure, but probably with the police and everything too, right? As many foster homes I was in, I was in that many elementary schools as well. Wow. Like I was kicked out of every single one you know up and down just just trying to find i was actually the youngest person in the Cowichan valley to ever go to an alternate school i was in grade six you know that was unheard of at that at the time you know alternate schools were actually new um around that time as well so yeah it, it was tough man yeah but yeah. hey one thing that i didn't lack through all that was academics man i always did my homework i always got good grades you know i was always uh contributing to the class, you know, I was the one grabbing the, the marker and, and first to write on the whiteboard. So with the good, there was, there was bad potential, you know, or sorry, with all the good, or all, the, all bad, the bad, there was good, a lot yeah. of potential. You know? But I'm curious I'm though, how, how, how is it that you're doing your homework and you're good at this stuff? You know, there's, there's what's going on inside of you that's causing you to, to do well in that aspect of school. Well, it was all the gangsters around. Uh, I, like I said, my mom was addicted to drugs, so yeah. there was always like um, people younger than her, but older than us, like selling her those drugs. Mm -hmm. You know, so they were always around. They were like the role models, and I mean, role models. You <laughs> right, know, they right, were yeah. they weren't the best role models, that's for sure. So those are the people I looked up to. The way they they acted, I wanted to act. The only difference was I was eight, and they were you know, you know, seventeen or whatever. So started young, just getting into trouble and just being a delinquent, man. Super embarrassed from it now, but I like to talk about it. I like to kind of let everyone else know that you can, you know, shape your, I was just gonna get into that. You can shape your future. I run into my teacher. I just ran into her last week uh, from elementary school. Her name's uh, Beverly McKean. She, she cries when I see her, like she, they, they tear up. You know, mm. when I see people from the courts, like the sheriffs and whatnot, they like, they give me the warmest hugs, man. They're so, I'm like the success story of this, this ghetto little uh, world that I'm talking about, so. You know, it's not all bad. I know it sounds bad, but it's not. No, I mean it's 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 the story of overcoming adversity, right? So that's what we're looking that's at. Not. We're we're and you know you know what got me out of it. You know what was the one thing? What's that? Hashtag hard work, baby. Working <laughs> hard every single day. Never 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 just sitting there and being average. Always wanting more from life. You know, 
Didn't matter. I was talking about my brother having me clean my shoes with the toothbrush. You know, that's the work ethic he put into me. Like we, we cleaned our stuff. We kept it neat. You know, we, we always wanted to uh, perceive uh, a better life than we had. So perceptions, reality, as we perceived that life, it became reality. And, and both of us have a really, really good life now. So where did your story of martial arts start? How did you get into training? Yeah. So martial arts, um, I was always on the on the, the streets, you know, fighting everybody. The biggest, baddest tattooed guys I was always looking for because I was a little guy and knew that they'd, they'd oblige a, a fist fight with me. And I was beating them all, man, just, just crushing the bar scene, just beating everybody up. So my little girlfriend at the time, little cute little little blonde thing, she says, so you think you're tough? Well, I signed you up for a tournament to prove that. You know, those are those <laughs> tough man days. Hey, how so old are you at this point, Shane? What's that, sorry? How, how old are you at this point? I was 20. Okay. I'm 32 now, so. Okay, so girlfriend signs you up, signs you up for some tournament. What's the tournament? Yeah. So 21 years old, I go up to uh, so you want to fight because you think you're tough. Uh-huh. Um, I, I go in, this skinny little kid with this gold chain, you know, kind of eyeing everybody up, thinking I'm tough, but inside terrified. Like, what did I get myself into, man? These guys <laughs> all, all at the time, uh, they still had fight camps. They still came from gyms, you know. They still knew how to hit mitts. They all had gear on. I was like in skate shoes and, and some baggy shorts. I was like, ah. So I go in. I just, you know, win every year. Win, win, win. So now I'm thinking, ha, not only am I the toughest guy in the world, but I'm, I'm the baddest gangster on the streets too, right? <laughs> yeah. So super, like now I'm super embarrassed from all that. But so I find what turns out to be my first coach, Wally Petrovic. And he comes up to me and says, hey, do you want to fight Corey Gower on, you know, our November card? I said, no. It's like, first off, I've known Corey since I was four. Second, I'm going to get murdered by that guy. He's like a legit fighter, right? So, so wait, so at this, so did he, did you start training or? No, you no, just no. He just says, come fight. Yeah, yeah, no, no training. I was my my training sessions were I would go to a set of stairs and if I could run up and down them ten times, I knew I was in shape. You're good, right? Crazy, right? Yeah, it's crazy. But uh, that's how it started, man. And uh, went six no in the tough man's, or sorry, four no in the tough man's, and then like it turned to like extreme MMA, but it was the same tournament, same promoter. You right. know what I mean? Right. So you know, I I had a couple of those as well. Um, by that time, right when I was turning into the extreme MMA, I finally got the courage to, to walk into the, the real fight gym, the kickboxing gym. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a cage and a ring, and I remember the butterflies. I walked by it half a dozen times before I walked in there. I finally walk into the gym, still thinking I'm the baddest guy, right? Because I'm, I'm undefeated, 6-0 in these tournaments, you know, beating everybody, even in the, the mixed martial arts at this point. Like, it, they, it turned to mixed martial arts tournaments. Yeah. That's what... Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place. Four of them were boxing, okay? So I won the very first year with one fight and won the championship. The next year I came out and I won three fights to win the championship. So that gives me a total of four boxing fights in the So You Want to Fight with two championships mm. of the boxing ones. Then it went on to extreme MMA, So You Want to Fight, and I was able to win another championship. So I went on to three So You Want to Fight championships in total. Okay. Four boxing bouts, two MMA, giving my first record 6-0 and is how I looked at it at the time. So I thought I was really good. I thought I was the best. And then I walked into a fight gym. Which gym was this? It was final round. It was in Duncan. It was the fight gym at the time uh-huh. around here. Uh, produced, you know, world champion Johnny Two Feathers Williams, uh, Corey the Hatchet Gower, Blake McVitie, obviously myself, and just a plethora of other guys. Josh Fong trained there for a while. Uh, you know, John Alessio would pop in every now and again. Mm. Janine Garside was one of the stables from there. You know, the most decorated uh, box uh, woman boxer of all time. So there were some good guys coming in and out of the gym. At the time when I came in, I thought I was the best. Yeah. I found out that I was wrong. <laughs> about, about 10 minutes into my first session. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I got beat up for about two years where I couldn't even touch these guys. But I kept on coming back. Every single day, coming back and coming back, and you know, Wally's son Wes was a ten and zero kickboxer at the time. 
didn't necessarily love my life, like my street life. Mm. So he'd come in and kind of just punish me for that, you know, wanting me to be a better person. I was just going to ask you, uh, you know, going into this, this legitimate gym with a coach and training partners and everything and having to have the discipline to be in, in a martial arts gym, the respect and everything. How is this now affecting your, your life outside of the gym? So my ego was like this when I first walked in. So I went there to fight and I found a fight every single day. Yeah. I got my ass kicked every single day. It was about two years that I was there, about 2012 that, or maybe 2011 that I kind of, you know, started really buying into, okay, the martial artist thing. And I'm a humble martial artist now. I'm no longer a fighter. That actually worked against me in, with competition. I ended up losing the people I shouldn't have lost to. You know, um, just being too humble, you know, mm. too, this is martial arts, you know, I'm bow, I was bowing, stuff like that, you know, yeah. I don't bow, I go and fight, that's what I do. Yeah. So, I kind of got lost with the martial arts there for a while, like, thinking I was a martial artist when my roots are fighter, right? I scream fighter, I am a fighter. So, I switched that up <laughs> and started fighting again. Mm-hmm. That being said, it humbled me. It taught me to be a better person. Um, my coach demanded me get off the streets, um, told me I didn't have to pay for my gym membership, but I had to stop the shit as far as you know the trouble I was getting into. That was done if I wanted to stay part of that team. So you know, I cut the shit. He covered my membership for the next four and a half years. I started taking fights and winning fights. And uh, you know, like it's it's hard to say, but subconsciously, I guess, consciously, I'm changing. You know what I mean? So I I don't know that I'm changing, right. but I know that I'm. Changing. Do you know right, that? Right, like, right, right. You, you can't see the steps necessarily, but you're seeing the effect as as you're going along and the changes are happening in your life. Especially after I opened up Black Box in 2013, because then I'm scared of. I'm really scared of the persona that I've, I've made for myself, right? With with the RCMP and with the, the members of our community. Right. And I'm thinking, like, what am I doing here, right? But with time, heals all wounds. And I believe any damage I did in our community, I've, the wounds healed. And, and I've, uh, I've been able to right my wrongs and, and contribute to our society. You know? right. Now, so. I'm, I'm going to come back and, and focus on Black Box and what you're doing and everything. Uh, in a moment, but before we do that, there has been, you, I, I'm sure through uh, the, the time that you spent at foster homes, the, 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 the fights, the street fights and all of that, you've, you've had some, a lot of lows, right? You've had, you've had points of times where uh, maybe you were injured, maybe you were in jail, maybe, I, I don't know, right? There's, you know those, those things better than I do, but every time you must have done something to get back up. Even yeah. even though yeah, you're absolutely. still in that same situation, right? If, if 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 for whatever reason you fall, you figured out how to get back up. Can you talk about that a little bit? Maybe give us an example of, of some points that were really low and and what you went through to get get yourself back up. You know, dust yourself off and start moving forward again. Absolutely. So yeah, I said that I was uh, kind of rough around the edges. Um, so of course, there's a lot of lows, but the one that hit like the bottom bottom mm-hmm. I was 17 I was just about to graduate because like I said you know I did I did well in school I just finished a, a shop class and I was out back in, in in the back of the school I seen a guy that ended up hooking up with my buddy's girlfriend I didn't think anything of it I walked up to him he was new to the school and I asked him right you hook up with my buddy's girlfriend at the time we had discmans <laughs> he slams a discman out of my, my hand batteries go everywhere disc goes everywhere I'm pretty embarrassed kind of like walk away nothing really happens i come back through that same path an hour later he hops out and just starts stabbing me bam 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 just crazy right stabbing you yeah so he stabs me in the arm um at the time i'm I'm pretty bad with the school so like they they know that i get into trouble so they don't necessarily take my side about it they say you know they they see that the marks are there but he says he did it he stabbed me a bunch of times with a pencil so they say you're both going home um Jonathan, you're going home. Shane, you're going home. So as we leave the office, he turns around and he goes, he goes, I'm going to kill you. Like, I'm going to kill you. This is the same person that just stabbed me with a steak knife out back. So I took that literally, like, he's going to kill me. Yeah. So I called up some friends that weren't in high school. 
I say, hey guys, bring me a baseball bat. This guy's gonna, this guy's just stab me. He's gonna, he's gonna he's kill serious me. Serious about so, this. So, so they bring down the baseball bat. By this time, the whole school knows what's going on. Someone's got the bus number of the school that Buddy's on, or the the bus that uh, Buddy's taking home. And there's a rooster tail of cars following this bus home. The bus stops. He jumps out with his little smirk on his face. I just start clubbing him with this baseball bat. Break his leg. Break his arm. You know, just 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 got on him. And I'm thinking, you know, he's a gangster. He stabbed me. You know, I'm a gangster. I, I hit him with a baseball bat. I guess he wasn't so much of a gangster. I, I had four cops waiting for me when I got home. Mm. So I get home. I'm just a kid, 18 years old. It's a couple months past my 18th birthday. It's September. So it would, and I'm born in August. I just had my birthday. So it was a month after my birthday. Um, I go to big boy jail. I'm watching myself on the news at six o'clock. CTV. Oh, wow. I'm having my family from Toronto call my mom saying we're watching Shane on the news. So I'm in jail, like have no clue how this happened to me. Well, I do have a clue, but you know, at the time I'm like, how does this happen to me? Um, I get kicked out of school. So I don't get to graduate that year. I had to go back to graduate. Um, everyone seeing me on the news. It's right before Christmas. Um, by the time I got into jail, it was right before Christmas. So the Christmas lights were up and, and you know, I'm the youngest guy in the jail. It was terrifying. I walk in. The guy that showed me told me he was going to be okay. He gets checked into PC right away. They club him down and take his shoes. I'm like, like, oh my God, what am I going to get do? myself into, right? So I'm crying myself to sleep every night upstairs. My cellmate's like, bro, like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not crying, you know? I'm not crying. Yeah, because you can't show weakness, right? Yeah, well, I guess jail's like high school. If you're cool in high school, you're cool in jail. It's not, you can show weakness. No, everyone's pretty chill there, to be honest, but... Uh, somewhere I'm never going back, and this is why. I'm not going to have somebody take a shit beside me, and I'm not going to shit beside somebody. When you get locked into that cell, guess what? You get no privacy, right? So it was more or less – it wasn't the people. It wasn't the inmates that bothered me. It was it was the rule structure, and, and like they could lock me down at the time for a cigarette break. We're going for a cigarette, you know, lockdown. It's like lockdown. Okay. Yeah. You know, so that was like the rock bottom at that point, you know what I mean, was, was just being in jail – you know, with nothing. I remember contacting lawyers being like, I'll sell my PlayStation, my subs, just so I can get a uh, deposit so somebody can get me out of here. You know, it was just like, it just sucked, man. It just sucked. So. How did you work your way out of that, bud? So I, I served some time in jail and then I was just telling you my mom got a place when I went back to my mom so I could graduate high school. That's, it's kind of going to loop together now. Yeah. So when I got out of jail, my mom got me a place. Mm. So she moved, I moved back with my mom when I was, when I was 18, so I could go back to high school and graduate. So she got me that place. I served six months house arrest with my mom after I served my sentence. Got out of jail. I was about, I was the same height I am now. So 5'11". I grew about seven inches, eight inches. Mm -hmm. I gained about 50 pounds. I went from a hundred pounds to 150 pounds. So it it was quite a big jump. All of a sudden, like when I got out, like girls looked at me different and, and like everyone kind of looked at me different. So I kind of like that was my first new start. Turned out to be not the right start because, you know, I didn't know anybody to go get a job at the time. Like I didn't know like how I would get a job. So I got into the street life and, and just just started getting into trouble even even more, you know, more serious trouble now, I bet. Serious trouble now. Now it's serious trouble. Now it's now it's gold bracelets as thick as my sick as my wrist and you know like uh, new cars and, and that type of trouble so just a shame from it now now i just look at it like it's just so shameful and and i find myself being like even more aggressive to people that remind me of the way i used to be like just trying to t- show them like no i was an idiot you're definitely an idiot now yeah. right how so, did you so you you're in this downward spiral it sounds like even you hit rock bottom you get out and you're still on that path right it's not like it's just you're 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 older you've learned more you're more mature so you're getting into more trouble more serious yeah. trouble how did you That's turn right. it around? That, was my, that was my first rock bottom i've had a couple rock bottoms yeah how did you turn yeah. that around yeah so one thing that I, I promised myself because you know i was born into this life is the way i looked at it back then is i'll never use hard drugs mm-hmm. and the second i get caught i'm done i'm out of here okay so so I ended up getting caught and they took everything, man. They took all my money, they took my cars, and they took all my jewelry. Um, 
and my, my girlfriend, my wife now, the one that owns this beautiful house with me, mm-hmm. she didn't love that life for me either. And she said, you know what? I'm working for Jim Patterson on his private yacht in Vancouver, and I want you to move over there with me. You don't have to worry about rent. You don't have to worry about bills. You just need to come get away from everything you're doing in Duncan and move over here with me. So that's what I did. Yeah. And that, that was in 2010. We're 2017 now. Haven't looked back, man. Life's been great. Yeah. So one big lesson there that I that I hear is sometimes that change in the environment is very important, right? You just kind of put put everything behind you. You you rip away and you start something fresh. The the bad friends, the contacts, all of the the history isn't there, and you just start fresh. So for some people listening to this, maybe that might be the solution for them, right? Just just yank away yeah. from all of all of that and and start fresh. So you keep your your loyalties to your friends because they were your loyal friends back then, but you don't have to accept what they do with their life, right? So so now all my friends, because I still have those same friends when I'm home, mm-hmm. like I still look at them like brothers and whatnot. But they know I'm like I'm the voice of reason. So when they're in trouble, when they're dealing with issues they'll contact me and I'm just kind of their voice now. So I didn't necessarily whitewash all my friends because these people are the people that were loyal with, you know, to me through that time. And, and I was loyal to them and I love them and they love me, you know? Um, unfortunately, my best friend in the whole world died of a heroin overdose in 2013. Mm. And that kind of says where he went, you know, and that is my best friend. He is my brother. You know, and I would have never turned my back on him. So I was there through all of his struggles, every step of the way, holding his hand. You know, he would come to my house and try to detox as often as he could. He wanted out of it. He just never got out of it and and ended up succumbing to his his addiction, you know. So, again, I'm here to tell his story, you know, to tell his story of of, he was just a middle class kid from Shamanis. You know, he kind of got into this life and the next, you know, he's not here anymore. And the real sad part is his mom's not here anymore either. She died of a broken heart. Right. You can't just you can't just think of yourself. There's more than just you out there. If, if something happens to me, there's people that are going to get affected to that, you know, or affected right. by that, I should say. So one, one thing that I hear that I just want to reiterate that's that's kind of important is, yeah, you have your friends, but you you took that period of time to go away, work on yourself oh, yeah. and make sure you're strong Stop. enough to be able to come back and not yeah. get sucked back into that whirlwind of old life that's going on, right? Remember what I said, two things. Don't try the drugs, and the second I get caught, boom. So I'm very strong-minded. I never have thought about going back to that life, not for one second. You know, it's just, it's not something that goes into my mind. I'm content, and I always have been content since that decision. There was plenty of rock bottoms being broke, right? Mm -hmm. I had everything to having nothing. But what I did have was martial arts being broke. My coach was there, I had the gym, and that's what I did. I was in the gym every single day, man. I was just putting in work, trying to trying to become what everyone already expected me to be, right? Like, all the wins, people think I'm, they thought I was good, right? I would win by knockout in the first minute, I'd win by submission, you know, I'm always winning these fights. But I sucked, man, I, I sucked. Like, I sucked at actual fighting. The reason why I won those fights was because I was tough and very strong. Um, when I get a hold of people, they know they, they they feel my strength for sure, and so I was able to just like take them out. But if that fight would have went longer than a couple of minutes, my record would be a lot worse than it already is. And some of those losses are because it went on past that time that I could I you know I would be able to win, you know. So yeah, as far as go back to your question, I got myself away from the lifestyle, but. The people, they're, they're, they were always, they're, all, they're the same as I was, right? Everyone's misunderstood. Everyone kind of has their own story. And, and I don't judge people for their decisions because they can make a different decision tomorrow, you know? So, yeah. So what, what, so what, made, you, what made you go back and start the gym and, and, and the whole new path that you're on right now? Yeah, so final round closed down in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, financial issues more than likely. Um, so we were left without a uh, gym. We were all taking fights still. And I was like, you guys know Tyler Dolby, right? Yep, yep. So I fought Tyler Dolby training in front of Snap Fitness Mirror going like this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, fighting somebody like that, <laughs> he kind of like figure out you need a gym. You need to, you need to train in a gym. Right. And I wasn't the most qualified person to open a gym. 
but I knew that I would love to have a gym. So I talked to my old coach and talked to Johnny Two Feathers and, and said, hey guys, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go take a loan from the bank and I'm thinking about doing this. And they were like, all for it. Like, let's do it, let's do it. Once it started, the, the, the tune kind of changed because, you know, it, it's a big financial burden for everybody involved. So I ended up taking that on myself and I, I've been doing it myself ever like since it opened. Mm -hmm. That's not the idea when I opened. I thought that I would have my whole final round team. It turned out, blessing in disguise, I ended up getting the other team from Duncan that really came over and started helping me out a lot. And that was uh, Blake McVitie and, and uh, Corey Gower. Mm -hmm. And they brought my game to another level. I, actually, you know who was the first person to come down and help me at, at Black Box? The, the first person was Eli Wise. Oh, you guys wow. know Eli Yeah, well. yeah. Awesome guy. Yeah. Yeah, so Eli was the first person to come down. He used to watch me in the Tough Man all the time because he's from Nanaimo and that's where it was held. So Eli was the first person to come down. He'd travel down once or twice a week just to, to give me personals for free, mm. you know, just because he, he knew that I was shit. I knew that I was shit, but everyone expected me to be a lot better. You know, they, they thought that I was here Tough, and then right. I was, you know, here. So Eli helped me a lot, Wally, Johnny, Corey and Blake, and now fast forward 2017, I'm the best amateur in BC, mm -hmm. one of the best in Canada, and I'd say one of the best in the world. So it all worked out. That's right. For uh, in uh, in your gym when you start out at, when you started out your gym and you've got kids coming in to learn to compete. Uh, you have to kind of change your reputation in the city, right? Because you have this history of just bad incident after bad incident, jail, all this stuff with the police, with the community. You go and maybe apply for a business license or whatever and say, I, I'm going to open this MMA gym. There must be a lot of raised eyebrows going, I don't think so, right? How, how do you overcome that challenge? So the way I articulated things well, like when I would speak to somebody, it would be eye contact, a nice firm handshake. I always took the time to listen, spend more time listening than talking. Um, and I let my actions speak for, for my, like I didn't speak, I just let my actions speak, right? Mm -hmm. So I was always giving back and, and, and trying to help people. And then eventually, I think the community forgave me. And, and I believe that they're, well, Every single time that I have about the newspapers, the first people to come over and, and, and cover it, I don't have to call them. They just come. They're all awesome at the newspaper. And I think if, if they didn't love my story, they wouldn't do that. I, I believe the community is proud of me. I think they like my story. I, like, I think they like how it turned out. Yeah, and we, we always, we always as human beings, because we all go through adver adversity, we want those success stories, right? We love to see someone who, who was broken, who was going through a lot come back and turn it around and that's one of the reasons we're doing what we're doing is because we, we know everyone goes through adversity and we want to showcase those stories and, and inspire people to you know when they're listening to your story they can go wait like this guy had it worse than I did I can turn yeah. my life around yeah I think everyone has so so I think everyone there's always someone that has it worse right kind of like being in, in in martial arts there's always somebody better there's yeah. always somebody better yeah. there's always somebody that has it worse as well you know i've always had clean water mm -hmm. i've always had shoes you know those, yeah. these are things that people don't always have so i don't feel sorry for myself i i don't uh feel sorry for any of these people that are born in, in bc I, I think we can always create a path and we just need to stick to it. It doesn't matter what it is. If, if you want a new car, if you work towards that car every single day, it might be five years, but you will get your new car. If you want, you know, you get, you get what I'm, I'm going yeah, there. Whatever, whatever you goal want, you set, you can go after it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So Shane, you've, you've been through a lot of adversity as you've gone through it. And it's like, it's almost like, developing a muscle right the more you you go through it the kind of better you get to know yourself and you understand how to get yourself out of those positions and now you're giving back to the community as a gym owner as a coach i'm sure there are days where you see young men young women come through the gym where they think that they're the toughest person on the face of the planet or they've got this big ego is like you were talking about and they hit the mat 
and you because you've been there you recognize it right like ah i know where this is coming from right what is that conversation that you have with that individual how do you try to get to because a part of communication is you have to start where that person is at you can't be here or here where they're not at your level how do you get to that level with them and have that conversation with them so you can start to make that impact well first off with my gym it's a little bit different than the gym that I started with. The first gym I started with was a fight gym. We came in and we fought. My gym, first thing you'll read when you come up, it's an ego-free zone. So I'm always uh, on the side of uploading the software without damaging the hardware. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to take care of them physically uh, before anything else. So they don't really necessarily get the chance to prove that they're a tough guy. Right. Um, but what I do with them, because we do do our sparring and whatnot, we, do, we definitely train hard. but we're always trying to take care of our partner, our training partner more than ourselves, right? So if you're about to do a throw and you can't control it, make sure you fall on yourself before you fall on that. Um, so to, I'll go back to your question. Um, when they first come in and uh, they're a little bit rough around the edges, I, I really like to tell them my story and, and let them learn from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes to complete contrast on the other side. If someone comes in, he's a little bit chubby, you know, maybe um, antisocial. I don't, my story means nothing to him. So what I'll do with him is I'll, I'll preach the nutrition, I'll, I'll preach the, the health and wellness side. So no matter who comes through the gym, I always have a different, you know, a different barrel loaded to, to shoot a bullet, you know, whatever I'm right. shooting at them, it's I'm them shooting up. straight and it, it makes sense to them, right? Mm-hmm. Very good. Now you're, when the last time we saw you fight at the BFL cage, you laid down your gloves. Yeah. Tell us the story about that. It was very emotional. It was. I'm not. I. I, I know. Like we, we can go into all that stuff. Like that. I read your comments and everything about uh, on social media and how what you meant and everything. But I want to. I want to hear from you. Sort of the mindset of going into that fight because it was a tough fight. It was there was a lot of anticipation build up coming in showcasing your skills. A lot of the BFL fans hadn't necessarily seen you showcase your skills, and you come in with all this hype. You you do what you do, and you lay it down. Very emotional interview. So take us through what like I want to hear your mindset, your emotional state leading up to the fight, going through to the fight, and then afterwards we'll go after the fight and and where you're at right now. So. Uh, it was a little premature. Uh, the, I guess, like, mentally, I wanted to retire. Physically, I'm not even close to ready, ready to retire. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smash all those guys that come and think they want that belt. Just to let you just, You're a just beast, clarify man. that. Any of these 35ers come up and, and they want that belt, I'm not just going to give it to them. They can come fucking take it from me, right. first off. Second, um, that was a little bit premature. I'm just dealing with a lot of stress with, with my mom being ill. Like I, I touched that, she's got brain and lung cancer. I'm also a full-time dad. Mm-hmm. So my wife works full-time. I run the gym at night. So I'm, I'm here with Briella every single morning. I, I feed her breakfast, I feed her lunch, I feed her dinner, then I'm off to work, right? Uh, if I'm gonna compete with these guys, I need to go to Zuma. I need to be up in Victoria. I need to be going to these other gyms. I need to get, I can't be the best. And at my gym, I'm the best. Right. I cannot be the best if, I, if I'm gonna compete with these, these guys that I, I'm fighting now. They're all undefeated. Like, I don't count Taylor's loss a, a loss because he, he, he didn't tap, right? He was in a, like, Ali had his back against the fence and he's extending. And Taylor's a jiu-jitsu guy. He wasn't even close to tapping. So I don't count that as a loss. I count Taylor undefeated and Connor was undefeated as well. So now I'm fighting these un- unbelievably talented guys when I'm not getting the proper training is, is how I, I looked at it. Uh, I think I did. I think I won both those fights. I know you guys disagree on the Taylor fight. I think I won that fight. I, I think I outstruck him. I think I had the takedowns. I think I controlled the ring. Uh, and he's the best. He's the best in, in Canada. They, they say Dylan is, but, you know, I think Taylor is personally. Um, sorry, I, I fell off the question. What was the question again? My question was you you were because of your mom because of because of the losses you've had leading up to that fight you were in a certain emotional state you you were yeah. when you walked 
in in the cage that day right so leading up to that event and when you walked into that cage you were in a certain mental state emotional state you took that fight with a lot of energy and and, and emotion and then that led up sort of to, to, to the yeah. interview we heard and I wanted to hear that side before we kind of go to so that's where so that's what was going on in my mind I'm going I'm going I'm gonna get my ass kicked I'm, I'm going to get beat. Uh, Connor's going to knock me out in front of everybody. Not that I've ever been hurt from a strike. I've never even had someone face me with a, a punch in training or in a competition. Oh. All 18 fights. Uh, never been rocked. Never had anything. That, but I thought Connor was going to definitely put, you know, enough hands on me that I was going to. I was going to look different when I came home to my daughter. Mm. So now I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm fighting these guys, and I'm not able to train up at any gym that I'm getting pushed at. I'm probably not going to do so well. And why am I doing this to myself? Like, why do I, why do I put myself through this? Like, why do I sign up for these fights against these un- unbelievably talented guys? And then my life is so busy that I can't put in the training that I need to do to beat these guys. Is how I looked at it. My team, they say, no, no, you're going to crush this guy, Shane. Like, you're, you're, you're too much. You're too much everywhere. There's no way you're going to lose. My team has faith in me. It's, it's my own mindset. Coming back to the beginning when I thought I was really good and then got humbled, I'm still in that humble state where I, I can't quite perceive that I am as good as I am. If that makes any sense, mm-hmm. like, I I still think that I'm that six no so you want to fight guy. Even though I've put in ten years since then, I've been, you know, I roll with black belts and and I I train with Muay Thai champions and and you know Johnny Two Feathers is an ISK world champion in kickboxing. So I train with phenomenal strikers and really good ground guys too it's just it was hard for me to you know come to terms that i am that good so every time i go to a fight i think i'm gonna lose to these guys it's after the fight that i'm like oh yeah i forgot (laughs) i'm pretty good so yeah um the before the fight the i'm gonna retire thing had to do with with why do i do this to myself you know my mom's sick i'm with her every single day i'm with my daughter i can't put in the training you know what i mean and then that's where the retirement came from. So where's your mindset? I feel great. Yeah, where's your mindset? Obviously, mind- your body is fine. Say that again to cut out. My mindset was weak going in. My mindset was, uh, I haven't fought at, at 35 for all these years. I'm bigger now. This is a hard way to cut. I was just, just let my, my mind do circles, you know, so. Okay, so. I made it hard it had to be. So that fight happens. You say what you say. You come back yeah. home. You the, the 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 immediate aftermath of of the fight's over. You're with yourself. You kind of now realize that uh, no 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 that's not what's happening. Tell us where you're at now. So where I'm at right now is is I'm gonna let those 35ers get some wins because I don't see anybody ready to contend. Do you guys who, who do you guys think should should fight me? Trevor. Uh, I think. Uh... I'm just wondering what what's your goal is like. Do you have a goal to like go pro eventually and uh, continue on in the uh, the pro divisions? Yeah, like I would fight any of those guys. Uh, I, I, I think, think they're I, all good fights for me. Yeah, you I know? think ideally, um, because you know there there isn't a large talent pool in the uh, in the amateur division that maybe you should consider moving into the pro ranks because you've had such success as a, as, as an amateur. I mean, the only way to test yourself is to like push yourself to the next level. And obviously the next level is to go to the, to the pro division and uh, test all the guys there because realistically, I, th- I, I feel the, um, the amateur division, you've, you've reached the pinnacle of that. I mean, if you defend the title once, that's, that's great, but moving up to to test the guys that have had like maybe one or two wins in the uh, the pro ranks or even uh you know fighting somebody that's uh that's gonna have their uh, their pro debut or something with you at the same time would be uh, ideal and then move from there i think you you have to set goals for yourself right absolutely so um i'm going to First off, my mom is very sick, but I think she's going to beat it. We're not doing the chemo radiation. We're doing a, a holistic approach, and, and I think she – so I'm just going to give it a little bit of time with her before I, I get back into training. But I agree with you. The pro rank sounds great to me. I don't want to sound 
cocky or rude towards them, but I fought better amateurs than, than most of the pros at uh, 35 right now. I, I fought Oren Hanscom twice, Tyler Dolby, Blake McVitie. You know, I fought these guys that are just so – Taylor, uh, Connor, right? You know, so I think my pro, my pro career will be easier than my amateur career. <laughs> yeah. Hoping. Right? You're hoping. Yeah, yeah. we're hoping so. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. I fought all those guys before I knew how to fight. Mm. So – and I won against a, uh, a large amount of them. I beat them without knowing how to fight. So, so we're going to see you make your point of view, hopefully. Yeah. 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 We were, we were just, uh, we had a conversation with Jamie Siraj and I see that on your, on your record, you got, you guys were supposed to face each other at some point in time and the fight got canceled. What happened there? Yeah. Jamie, uh, blew his ACL. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he blew his ACL. I ended up going against uh, Guy Gauthier, mm-hmm. and I just completely overlooked him, beat the shit out of him for two rounds, and got submitted in the second because, again, I was, I was training for that gym at or training for that fight at Snap Fitness. So, yeah, fighting Jamie Seurat is training at Snap Fitness. Yeah. Not a good idea. Yeah, that's not, that's, that's not yeah. proper preparation yeah. for it, right? Mm. But he, he was great, man. Like, I've heard people say Jamie's been rude. I know Nick Gainey said Jamie was rude. And Jamie was awesome through all that. First off, he PM'd me saying that his injury, like, what happened with his injury. He was super nice. Um, then he asked, you know, like, he actually said he was going to make his pro debut for, for you guys and asked if I wanted to fight for Battlefield. And this was, like, in 2012, maybe? 2011? 2012? And I was just like, dude, I, I just lost to some bum. <laughs> I was like, I need- <laughs> I need to learn how to fight first, right? But yeah, great guy. Would I fight him? Absolutely. I think he's quite small for me. I'm almost six feet tall, and and like uh, I'm, I'm, I make weight pretty easy. So I think it's a bad matchup for him. I don't know. So I'm maybe uh, maybe that's a matchup uh, for the future for you guys. Yeah, yeah. I think I I stack up against anybody at 35. I'm. I'm uh, almost six feet tall. I walk around around 160 pounds, and I make weight easy at 35. Uh, a lot of people that have this reach and this height are weak, and, and I've never been outpowered in the cage by anybody. I got out of Tyler Dolby's mount. I got out of Orrin Hancomb's mount. You know, and I just I just throw them off me when I'm ready to get up too. So, you know, I think I'm I'm special for this weight class. I'm big, long, and certainly way stronger than all these guys. So, nice. if they want to fight. I'm here. That's awesome, man. I want to hear about your gym. I want to hear about your mission. You you told us a little bit about giving back and using your story of where you came from to to help kids, uh, youth, young adults that are going through the same things. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So Black Box, our main objective there isn't profit. Uh, I wish it was. I, I, that's just not what I what I opened for. Our main objective there is to give back to the community. Uh, we have a great stable of kids. Um, a lot of them remind me of myself and this is giving them another outlet. They're in there training every single day. They're way better than I was at that age. There's, I have some studs coming out of that gym, Mm. some unbelievable kids. So yeah, the, the mission's going well. Uh, we opened in 2013. We have worked very hard and diligent as far as myself to, to be a capable coach because I think when I opened, I wasn't good at coaching. I wasn't even that great of a fighter, to be honest. So I'm ready now to give back to them a little bit more. Luckily, I've had some great coaches help me along the way. Uh, we have a, an older gentleman. His name's Ralph. He's in there helping the, the kids with their boxing. We have Blake McBitty. Corey Gower, Johnny Two Feathers Williams, you know, so we have all these guys that are really competent helping me as well. It's not just me there. So, mm-hmm. what's uh, do you have any any fighters that you that we might see in the amateur ranks coming up soon? Yeah, man, more than just a few. Uh, I mentioned Mitchell last time at uh, my post fight with uh, Jeremy Brand, mm-hmm. but I have more than Mitchell Page. Mitchell Page is is a very gifted and talented athlete that he had me. Sc- tapping on his very first day when he was 15 years old mm. so it kind of says how good he is um there's a, a plethora of them though not just mitchell and i felt bad after the interview that i didn't give you know a little bit more love to some of the other ones we have uh, right now he's six and oh uh, austin henry maley he's unbelievable we have steve nagera he's one and oh 
he's definitely a special individual himself as well. We have Trent T-Bomb Dunlop coming up in the boxing ranks. I've never seen somebody that hits so hard at, at his age and with the skills that this kid has. So there's a whole bunch of them, as well as Blake's returning soon. I know you guys were in talks with Corey not too long ago. So, yeah, we've got a bunch of guys coming up, and, and we'll take that, that whole division over. Awesome, man. We look forward to it. We're getting close to ending this. I wanted to ask you, if you come across a kid, you know, a teenager, whatever, young adult, that's kind of going through what you've, what you've gone through, going through a lot of adversity, has no hope, you know, it's just hit rock bottom and thinking, this is it, I'm done, I can't take this anymore. What would you tell him? How would you inspire him? Well, I would hope that he reaches out to me first off. So if, if you are that person and you're listening to this podcast, you can reach me via email, SMJ Black Box MMA. You can reach me via Facebook, Shane Jung, or you can come down to Black Box. We'll bring you in. We will uh, definitely help you cover your expenses for training. And we will show you that there is more to life than, than what you've been experiencing this so far. Um, what I will tell them is, first and foremost, stay away from drugs, okay? No, 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 no to drugs. And alcohol is another really bad one, so I'm always going to guide them away from uh, substances that are going to affect their, their mind. And uh, just try to educate them in some of the hard times that I've had to go through, and hopefully it inspires them to, to want more like I wanted more, you know? Awesome, man. Uh, we're certainly grateful to you for sharing your story. I hope your mom recovers soon so we can get you, see you back training and, and back in the cage. It was, uh, it's, I'm excited to hear that you are going to come back and, and we're going to see you defend that belt or go pro as uh, Trevor was, was kind of suggesting <laughs> from yeah. there. And uh, yeah, that would be, be awesome to see you soon. Okay, well, I really appreciate you guys. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me this afternoon. And again, uh, without you guys, I, I'm not here on this podcast right now. I certainly uh, don't have the self-worth that I have now that I have you guys' belt up on the wall right there. <laughs> so, J-Mac and Trevor, Jay, you guys do more for this than you guys even realize. So, kudos to you guys. Thanks, Thanks so brother. much. Take it easy. Have a good afternoon. Hey, wait, wait, one more quick thing. Hey, um, where's a good place to find you if uh, we don't find you on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, I kind of overlooked my Twitter, which is my biggest following. Um, ShaneJung72 on Twitter, guys. Uh, hit me up. Oh, I have an Instagram, too. <laughs> ShaneJung on Instagram. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Thank you sir. Bro.